welcome to the City Life Podcast. This podcast is here as a resource to journey together, connecting where you can, whenever you can, in your everyday. Enjoy listening. Be encouraged to share, be inspired and be blessed as you do so. Hello everyone, I've been asked to carry on our teaching series looking at the presence of God. Last month Bev kicked off the teaching series by looking at an overview uh, from Genesis right through to the start of the early church and if you haven't listened to that I'd recommend it because it gives a great overview to to um, to the presence of God, how it's revealed through the Bible uh, to God's people and uh, particularly now today I'll be looking at what it means for us as people in the church, part of the church, God's church, uh, to be people that are carrying God's presence uh, because the Holy Spirit was given out in Acts chapter 2 to the disciples of Jesus and then to us as followers uh, in today's life. And what it means for us to be people that are priests, uh, not in a formal sense or religious sense, but a priest uh, before God, carrying the presence of God uh, wherever we are so that it is the priesthood of all believers, which is described in the Bible. So everyone's a priest, not just those who are paid by the church or uh, those who are ordered, ordained uh, in any such form. But everyone is a priest uh, who follows Jesus and filled with his spirit. And in that way, we can bring God's presence everywhere that we are. And we can do that every day. It doesn't have to be on set days of the week or at a religious ceremony. It is every one a priest everywhere they happen to be and every single day uh, of the year and so that's what we're excited about and that's how we've reshaped our church pattern our meeting pattern uh, to align with that and for us to be a priesthood of all believers and uh, I'll spend a bit of time just at the end as to what that means I think in terms of uh, our structure our meeting structure serving uh, what we believe about this the presence of God everyone a priest everywhere and every day. So Isaiah says, forget the former things, I am doing a new thing. And for us as a church, we've met <coughs> pretty much all the time that I've been part of City Life Church, before that City Gate Church, um, we met every Sunday, so either in the morning or the evening or in, or in both. And that was our meeting pattern. And uh, so it's been strange not to have the meeting pattern where we're all meeting all together um, in the same place uh, but the reason we've done that is because we want to do something new and uh, we believe God is doing something new that we've had that former meeting pattern but actually um, there's a new way of doing things where actually we are uh, making the most of the places where we live places where we work our friendship circles our families our gatherings and we're using those times as times where we can meet with people, we can share um, food and we can pray for many different people. And we're doing that in many homes across the city, uh, in, in different places. We're doing that through our workplaces. Uh, our model of reaching out to people is one of chaplaincy rather than attractional church is what they call it where we're inviting people to come into a, a big gathering all the, all the time so we're not doing that at all but rather uh, we're going out so Jesus did say go and make disciples and uh, that word go does mean that we leave our comfort zones we leave our buildings and we go out into 
the marketplaces, into the streets, into wherever people are, and we make God's presence known in those places. So it's a different pattern of meeting. It's a different way of doing things, but it is it is exciting to be doing something new, something that um, is very connected and also just aligned with our lives normally. So it's not a bolt-on to our everyday life, but rather being a priest for God is part of our everyday life, whether we're chatting with neighbours, chatting with people at work, uh, or connecting with people in our family or friendship circles, hobbies that we do, etc., um, so that's the new thing that we're excited about that God is doing and that we're joining in uh, with. So a chapter that we used to consider a bit more when we were in Burgess Road was this Deuteronomy 28 because we're at 286 Burgess Road. We looked at how we were blessed when we came in and when we went out. We were blessed when we were, we were in the city and we were blessed when we were in the rural places, etc., etc., that... Um, we're blessed people and it's an amazing thing that God who created the world who who knows us and loves us um, wants to bless our, our lives and so we read Deuteronomy 28 and read about those blessings but ultimately it's a, it's also about being blessed to be a blessing and that's where Jesus sends out his disciples to go baptize and make uh, other disciples. There's a little verse I read uh, recently just as I went out to to visit a place that had a recent death and it said just as you have been comforted by God's love so you are able to comfort other people uh, with his love and it's that sense in which you know we've received from God and we're able to give uh, from that that wealth of resources that he has given us both in terms of uh, well all of our lives that so he has blessed us in many different ways and it's that uh, blessing that we have to share with other people Bev mentioned last time about this this little verse in Zechariah 8 about 10 men from the nations will take hold of the robe uh, of a Jew or a person following God at that time and say let us go with you for we have heard that God is with you and really the teachings today could be summed up with that is that you know, are, are there people that are holding on to our lives that are connecting with us because uh, they can see that um, that God has blessed us, that God is with us, God has comforted us, God has healed us, God has um, brought life to us. And because of that, they want to be around us and they want to uh, spend time with us and they want to learn more about what it is. Also, maybe to follow uh, God for themselves, what it means for them in their lives. How do they find that that peace and purpose in their lives, too? So everyone, a priest, um, on that day in Acts chapter 2, it says that they gathered in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came down. The imagery used is of uh, flames uh, touching their heads and, and then being filled with the Holy Spirit. And on that day, 3,000 new believers uh, came to, to Christ, believed in him. They received that gift of life. And that's mirrored by the little story in Exodus 32. You remember when the law was given and Moses came down with the, the covenant uh, the people had already turned their backs on God and were starting to make uh, an idol, the golden calf. And uh, as a result of that, it says that 3,000 people uh, died uh, when the law was given. So Paul writes that the law kills, but the spirit gives life. And these two stories, Acts 2 and Exodus 32, uh, mirror that. And so we want to be people that live by grace and by spirit uh, and keep in step with the spirit. And in that way, life will come to us and... Uh, to not confuse ourselves with living by law, trying to do good, trying to be good. And that brings us really to what the gospel is all about, which is what we'll look at in this presentation, this talk as well.
So it's good news that's worth sharing because we can be worried, can't we, that um, if we start talking to people about God, that they'll think uh, we're a nutter, that we're religious, that um, that, that we just want to Bible bash them, all, the, all those sort of phrases. Um, whereas if we really have good news to share, then it is worth sharing with, with other people. During my week now, I spend a bit of time with different enthusiasts uh, through the schools I sometimes take people to a farm and I sometimes take people to a boxing club and uh, it's part of the provision for their education and I meet people on the farm that are enthusiasts about animals and insects and bugs and they're just they're contagious with what they want to share about all of those things and they they're just full of information about it and share it all the time same thing at the at the boxing club you know it's never been a hobby of mine boxing but I go down there every week and the people that do the boxing they're infused about it they they just can't help talking about different ways to attack different ways to defend to keep fit and you can tell that they're thinking about it all week long and they're willing and able to share that with other people and I suppose as I look to them I think how often we we hold back from sharing some of the things that we're enthusiastic about about God about um, what it says in the Bible about some of our celebrations like Christmas and Easter some of those key times sometimes we hold back because we don't want to offend people but actually let us be as enthusiastic at least as the farmer the gardener and um, and the boxer um, I found this little story you probably know all this um, you may know this already but the first vaccine ever created um, was was for smallpox and the root words the etymology I think they call it for for vaccine actually goes back to to the word for a cow back in history uh, because smallpox was cured by taking a small um, small amount of cells from cowpox putting it onto this child it's all in the, the slide there James Phipps and uh, as a result he made a full recovery and he was he was in full health. He was the first person to receive like this amateur version of a vaccine and smallpox was cured. Before that, for centuries and centuries and centuries, millions and millions of people had died of smallpox. Um, it, it's something that spread all across the world and killed people and there was no defence uh, against it at any point. So the question is, you know, the thought is that the the person who did the vaccine, Edward Jenner, he could have had this amazing moment with this eight-year-old boy, cured him of, of uh, smallpox. And he could have kept that to himself for his life. And he could have died a happy man knowing, you know what, I found the cure for smallpox. But rather than doing that, he shared it, you know, and put it into medical journals and it got spread all, all around the world. So that now no one, no one in the world dies of smallpox. It's something that's vaccinated against. It's not a disease uh, that kills anymore. It's a massive transformation compared to before May 19, 1796, where millions of people were dying all the time. And off the back of that, vaccines, the, the whole science behind vaccines was created and landed. Um, so all from a common cow, this thing happened. Uh, but I was thinking, you know, let it inspire us, you know, if we've got good news, not just about saving lives physically, but about saving lives spiritually, about people finding life, peace and purpose, then let's be as enthusiastic about it and as public about it as uh, as James Phipps was with the with the creation of the smallpox vaccine. Because if he hadn't shared that news, uh, that cure for disease would never have happened. And the way of developing vaccines would never happen. It had a massive difference. 
And what we know is by sharing the good news with people, when they come to faith, there's just a a lightness that comes to them, a peace that comes to them, forgiveness that comes to them, sense of purpose that they haven't had before quite often. And so they often, you know, have been in ways of thinking that haven't been helpful to them and they've they've been able to change that and radically change the way they live uh, for the better. So not just like an eternity saved, um, but a life saved now, you know, spiritually, someone who's fully human and fully living and uh, fulfilling their God-given purpose in life. So we hold that that news, that good news of Jesus that we can share with everyone. And uh, I often think about it that people can live two ways, can't they? They can they can live knowing that God's presence is there. They can live protected by God, you know, praying, deliver us from evil and so on. They can know his provision, you know, our daily bread. And they can know that we're blessed uh, with these things um, or they can live without it. And imagine living life without a sense that a God in heaven is providing for you or protecting you or comforting you or with you that you'd feel very alone, wouldn't you? You'd feel very sad in your thoughts that you'd, you could well just feel unprotected in life and, and miserable. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's not everyone, but for many people, uh, that's that's how they live. They feel that they, they're quite alone in this world and they're not sure where it's all going to go. You can fear about the future and so on. But God's presence means that you know that God who created the world, who knows you and loves you, is with you. They will protect you and keep you. They're the stories of the Bible and uh, he will provide for you. And then you live with a lightness in this world and without a sense of worry but instead with a sense of peace uh, that's there. So I wanted to just look at a little Bible verse that, that sums up that good news and some of the things that that the Bible says we gain through being people of God's presence. Uh, I'll do that in a second. But first, it's how do we convey these things that we're blessed by God without sounding arrogant, without sounding elitist or judgmental which is often how the church is viewed let's be honest uh, but instead invite people to you know by saying this is what God has done for me in my life and he can do it for you as well so it's an invite rather than um, we're better than you we're more righteous than you because it's nothing through what we've done or or said or thought that we are we are blessed but it is through God's grace which is the the gospel we're going to look at so Jesus said you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And he said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and they give light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And our first calling is to be salt and light, to be people that make a difference. You know, salt in food helps preserve it, doesn't it? Salt in food helps it taste better, helps it be better. And it can just be a sprinkling of salt in a big dish that makes a huge difference to the taste and the preserve preservation uh, of the food that's there. And um, 
And as we're in our workplaces, as we're in uh, our neighbourhoods, we may feel very small in comparison to the size of our workplace or the size of our neighbourhood or our friendship circle. But we are salt in that situation that just by being there, um, carrying God's presence, being small and insignificant maybe, but we are salt in that situation. And again, with light, you know, it only takes a small candle to, to light up a, a dark room. And the same is true. We may go to some dark places. We may go into all sorts of places where, uh, where we where we wouldn't choose to go, maybe. But by being there, you know, we are taking God's light into those situations. And so these things about being sought and light. It's about being a minority in in different places, rather than inviting people into a, a church building where everyone is sought, everyone is light, and all piled up in one place, shining brightly, but uh, for no one to see it and so Jesus calls us to go out into the world and not to be locked away uh, in a in a building or a church somewhere all together for our own safety but instead to be salt and light to other people so this is the uh, verses I wanted to look at Ephesians chapter 1 you can also look to be honest at the start of Ephesians chapter 2 and see similar sort of reminders of the gospel but um, I've just highlighted a few things in here from Ephesians chapter 1 if you have a look at that that through Jesus we have the forgiveness of sins the riches of God's grace that they're lavished upon us he gives us wisdom and understanding he's made known to us the mystery of his will and he brings unity to all things and I've just summarized those things here with a couple of one worders which is forgiveness grace wisdom purpose and peace and and to be honest with that unity to all things you could have peace and justice in there it's about warring nations finding peace about justice being found in the midst of um, adversity and difficulty and so forgiveness grace wisdom purpose peace are just five things that are listed out in those few verses in Ephesians and again if you flip on to Ephesians chapter 2 you'll find more things about being alive in Christ and uh, more around forgiveness and more around um, us being God's God's handiwork, you know, his masterpiece in Ephesians 2. And for someone who's feeling unworthy, someone who's feeling lowly in life, to know that you're God's masterpiece is a massive piece of good news, isn't it? All these things, forgiveness, grace, not earning God's love, but earning it instead through Jesus, um, being given it instead by Jesus. Wisdom, when we don't know what to do. Purpose, when we feel, you know, life life is moving at a pace without us and we're not in control, but instead knowing that God has a purpose for us. And finally, peace. You know, if you could bottle up peace in life and sell it on a shelf in, in some major supermarket, it would go off the shelves, wouldn't it, at a high price? Uh, because everyone wants peace. Um, and flipping on to Ephesians 2, people want value as well. They want to know that they are loved and valued, which is what Ephesians 2 uh, talks about as well so have a look at these things and I, I i would say for yourself think about these five things and say what does the good news of jesus carrying the presence of god what does it mean to me what do i most appreciate about being a christian maybe it's one of these things maybe it's something else but if you know that if you know it's why well, i've got real peace in my life i don't have to feel stressed or or anxious anymore then share that with your friends. This is what I found through God, you know, that I I have real peace. Even though there's a storm around me, I have that peace of God. And, um, 
you know and say people that that's a gift from god that you can you can have too that's the invite that's there it's not a judgmental thing it's just an invite that's there from god and that's us going and making disciples uh, of other people so a reminder of the good news it's not about what we do uh, but it's well about what christ has done uh, for us one of my friends posted up uh, on social media today that the thief on the cross dangling on the cross uh, he never he never went to church he never never cited a, a massive prayer but Jesus accepted him into Paris that day uh, paradise that day and so if the thief on the cross having done none of those things you might expect of a religious person can be saved in that one encounter with Christ and how much more uh is that true for us? Uh, that it's not about what we do, but it's about what God has done. And uh, for many people, they don't feel good enough to be Christians. They don't feel like they could ever meet a standard people that I talk to. And uh, and the glorious thing is, you know, that the, the standard is, is just accepting that it is about what God has done for us on the cross through Jesus. As he spoke to that thief on the cross, that it was what he did on the cross that made the difference, not what the thief said or did, but he accepted that gift of God uh, for himself for free. And I think if we have that at our heart, <coughs> that it is about what we, not about what we do, but about what God has done, then that good news becomes even firmer and it's simpler uh, for us to share with other people. I just wanted to look. I just wanted to look at one more little story before we finish. It's a story that I, I love from Acts chapter 27 about Paul heading to Rome and he gets shipwrecked <coughs> and he gets shipwrecked and ends up landing in Malta. As it happens, like the, the feast of St. Paul shipwrecked in, in Malta happens on the 10th of February uh, every year. So it's it's timely for us looking at it. Not that he necessarily... Sailed in February, that's just a date chosen by the church, the 10th of February, to mark uh, his shipwreck. But before the shipwreck, they'd hit this big storm. Um, Paul had had an angel come to visit him on the ship to tell him that he would be saved. And on this ship, he was being carried there as well as a prisoner. No doubt, sometimes he may have been mistreated or jeered at by people on the ship. Um, and it says, you'll have, we'll have a look in a second, that there were... There were a few hundred people on the ship. No doubt some of them have been, um, may have looked down on him or said something or done something because he was a prisoner in that time. Uh, but in this moment, when they tried everything else to save the ship, um, Paul then stood up um, to speak to the whole ship and and to relate to them what had been said to him by the angel that had come to him. It's the only time I can see in the New Testament that Paul had an angel visit him but this this happened it says in acts 27 and uh these are the words from acts 27 verse 33 to 37 just before dawn paul urged them all to eat for the last 14 days he said you have been in constant suspense gone without food you haven't eaten anything now i urge you to take some food you need it to survive not one of you will lose a single hair from his head and he said this after he said this he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food for themselves. Altogether, there were 276 on board. And it goes on from there to say that they, they did all arrive safely on the shore of Malta 
goes on to another story after that you can take a look at. This story we're going to look at in our family section. So there's some resources available this month around the story of Paul and his shipmates. But I wanted to make a point on there that Paul hadn't necessarily chosen to be on that ship. That's just where he happened to be. And so going back to our first point that we're a priest, God's priest everywhere, every day, wherever we happen to be, we're there as God's people. Paul was on this ship um, with with one other friend, I think, and uh, there he is. Uh, but he takes responsibility for the whole ship and says to them all um, that they will they will be saved, that not a single hair on their head will be be lost. He encourages them to eat. He gets them ready because they're going to have to swim to shore uh, in the next few hours or so. Um, so there he is. He's he's in a place. It's not his workplace, it's just the environment he happens to be landed in. Uh, but he's there as a priest to everyone who's on board that ship. I don't know if you can imagine what it would be like to spend two weeks in a in a storm in a in an ancient ship and how bad that must have been being thrown around, people being sick and fearing for your life and uh, no end of the storm in sight. It must have been terrifying. And they tried everything in their means to save it. You know, they they tried to do the things they'd done, but it was only going to be what God would do for them that would save them in the end. So just a few points from that story. You might want to take um, a longer look at Acts chapter 7 and read the full story for yourself. So the reason why I wanted to look at this story was because um, here is Paul full of a ship full of people and he does take this spiritual responsibility for them. Um, and the same question comes to us, who who are our shipmates? Who is on the ship with us? It might be people that live on our street, might be people we work with day by day, it might be people we just meet at the bus stop every day or, or we're on a train with a couple of times a week, um, that they form part of our circle, people that we we are with. And here we are as God's priests everywhere, every day, um, that in whatever way, you know, these are people that are our shipmates. So I wanted to just give you a bit of a chance to think about who is on your ship, who is it that's there. Um, wherever we live, we've probably got some neighbours as well. Maybe a person who lives on the left of us, right of us, people opposite us. Do we know who they are? Do we know who our neighbours are? Could we take a bit of effort to find out their names, to connect with them? Um, do we have five friends that we could we could see that are our ship? mates that we could connect with other other people that we've just maybe just been thrown into a boat with somewhere but we we could make friends with them uh, and spend more of our time connecting with them uh, moving out of just a clique a circle of our own friends uh, into a new circle that's there so Paul did that with these shipmates he didn't necessarily know any of them beforehand but suddenly now he's speaking to them and bringing God's uh, word to them. So I'd encourage you just to think about who your shipmates are and then to be praying for them, you know, to have a list of people that you're praying for and connecting with them in, in different ways. Um, and praying for them, you know, for some of the things that we've been talking about, you know, for the forgiveness of sins, for the sense of purpose, for God's protection, uh, for their provision, you know, that they would know uh, comfort as you have known comfort from God. Those those things to be praying for, for them to think about specifically what they might might be needing and how we could pray for them. And then asking ourselves, why is God's, God's good news in your life? You know, we 
we could get used to the fact that we live, you know, praying to God, believing he's with us and keeping us, guiding us, providing for us. But what does it actually mean, you know, and what would it mean if God wasn't in your life? And trying to sum that up, you know, I feel, you know, when things are difficult for me, I can I can be at peace because I know that God is with me. I don't have to get stressed or anxious or, or it could be something else. But to get that into some um, a few sentences that you know is true for you and that you could share them as enthusiastically as the boxers share their truth about attacking and defending moves or the farmer shares uh, their stories about the animals. You know, maybe we'd be people that can share our story enthusiastically with our shipmates, the people that are around us. And the last thing is, um, just going back to our meeting pattern, that we have freed up time from all meeting together all in one place, um, you know, all the salt and the light in one place on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening. Uh, to being more spread out so that our light and salt is spread all around the place wherever we are and that we have the time and the capacity and the energy to be able to share that 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 good news with other people and so that could mean inviting people into our house inviting people for a walk inviting people for coffee just inviting people that are outside your immediate friendship circle now to to connect with them more and to have that time to be able to do that and then secondly, to serve them, you know, going back to that Matthew verse that we read earlier, that may your may your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven, that we, by serving other people, and that could be just doing something for our work colleagues that takes some pressure off of them, or it could be writing some notes that just show appreciation to the people around us. Or it could be um, serving more literally like a, a litter pick or or serving by by being involved in something with our local school or community group or hobby group, you know, some way in which we can serve <clears throat> other people. But by having more of our time freed up to invite people, serve people, it means that our shipmates have more time with us and we've got more time to to point them towards the good news of God that we've we've looked at earlier today. Um so we may miss meeting every Sunday, but there should be real joy in the things that we're doing instead. I, just before Christmas, we invited um, all the Hong Kongers uh, to our house that we knew just for a Christmas party. And our house was full uh, of people that we had there for a Christmas party. We did a, a pastor parcel with little encouraging notes in that people could open up as they go uh, through. But for me and uh, for the church as well, some of our shipmates include... Hong Kongers that have arrived to Southampton, so there's about a thousand that have come here. And ordinarily, you know, if we've got a busy Sunday, we don't have the time, capacity and energy uh, to necessarily put on new programmes for them. But by freeing up that time, uh, we can serve them, we can invite them to things and we can bless them and uh, and we can connect with them. And in a sense, you know, pass them to be that priest to them, that they know someone who knows God, who is uh, praying for them. Um, and, and to be sharing that good news uh, with them as well. There's other people that we might have on our, our ship that that's a bigger organisation. Some of our mission uh, model is is chaplaincy, being with people and not necessarily going there to to do anything particular, to to go there with a program, but to be people that are there to who can listen to others, that can support others and care for them. And there's that chaplaincy. Uh, network that we lead around the city um, that that does things so I'd encourage you just to see that freeing up a time from a Sunday program 
it's not that we're, we're not running a Sunday program because we've got nothing more to say. We want to free up that time so that we can truly invite our shipmates to things, truly serve them. And uh, you may not have got into a rhythm where you've, you're doing something every week and you're seeing the benefit of that. Uh, but that's what we're going for. That's that's the model we're going for. And that's why we're going for it, because we're we're all priests every day, everywhere. And we don't want to just have two or three priests in a building with all the sort and light in one place, with those couple of priests leading something for everyone else who's a priesthood um, to do that. But we want to be sort and light out in the community, uh, in our workplaces, friendships, freeing up that time to be good news and sharing that good news, sharing that presence of God uh, with other people that they might know his comfort, provision and blessings. So um, hope that's encouraging to you. I hope that's all made sense. And uh, I'd encourage you just to write a list of those people that are on your ship to pray for them and then think about what the God, good news of God is to you and then invite your friends to join into that, uh, serve them. Uh, that they may be excited by that see your good works and praise your father in heaven so thanks very much for listening god bless and uh, see you all soon thank you